Hey everyone, welcome to the Matt Report, where I interview folks who make a living using WordPress. Today, I'm joined by Jason Coleman. Jason, how are you? How's everything going on your end? Life is good. Life awesome. is good. Uh, so, Jason, let's talk about the journey uh, of you starting your your business, your freelance, uh, your digital business, uh, getting into WordPress. So, introduce us uh, or introduce yourself to us, who you are and what you do. Yeah. So. Um I started out with my own company in 2006. Before that, for a couple of years, I worked at Accenture, which is a big consulting firm doing, um, I actually worked on some early tablets, those HP tablets from many years ago, which was kind of fun. Uh, and I worked uh, doing SAP installation, supply chain stuff, so some boring stuff, um, and got out of there as soon as I could. Um, and then my, my wife, who's my current business partner as well, at the time was just a girlfriend and she had graduated from college and prior to that she took over my like web design business from college. So I did websites on the side. Um, and she lined up some clients for the summer of 2006 when she graduated and said, Hey, I got enough clients to make money. I'm not going to look for a real job. I'm going to do this. And so I kind of helped her out as, as while I was at Accenture. Um, and then we got so many clients that were like, Hey, we should really try to you know, do this freelance thing. And also, we launched a site called winelog.net, which is a, kind of a social network for wine drinkers. Um, so we're like, hey, well, we'll do all this. I uh, went on sabbatical and eventually left Accenture to start that business. Um, so my wife and I started this freelance business uh, where she handles the design end and I'm more on the programming end. And there's a lot of overlap. <clears throat> and uh, the joke there is that I'm teaching her programming as we go along. And it like, in a few years, you know, she's going to do everything and I can retire. <laughs> um, so we uh, didn't really get into, we, we did get into WordPress, not kind of business-wise, but a little bit at the time, a couple of friends started investing blog, InvestorGeeks.com, which was the first, my first experience with WordPress was around version 1.5, I think, back then. Um, so we just did some blogging with it and I didn't use it, you know, as a tool. We did .NET programming and PHP programming and simple static websites. Um, I started to focus on PHP and e-commerce sites. Uh, a couple of our e-commerce clients also wanted a blog, so we built WordPress blogs for them. Um, at the same time, with Investor Geeks, we were kind of experimenting. I was hacking the core to get it to work. Um, the plugging architecture was already there, but I was kind of like I was very anti-framework from some of the Java stuff I did at Accenture, um, and so I was always like, you know, I don't want to. I want to. I'd rather do it myself. Um, but actually, as the plugin architecture got better. And I learned it more. I was like, hey, this is the right way to go about it. Um, and I started to realize, you know, that we could use WordPress for more of our projects. So, like, maybe we could use it not just for the blog. Let's use it as a CMS. You know, before that was as easy as it is nowadays even. And so we started using it for static sites as a CMS. We started using it for more applications and stuff. Uh, we actually, around the 2006, 2007 time, launched one of, like, the earliest e-commerce websites on WordPress. And we had custom built an e-commerce plugin. Um, I don't know if WP Commerce was out yet, but it was. If it was, it was young. I know when we saw WP Commerce, it was it was really rough, um, and the plugin we had, you know, was a lot better. Um, which which kind of transitions to this point in our our career where we're trying to, you know, I saw WP Commerce, which at the time was not as good as our products. You know, I'm like, hey, our product's better. And then over time at WordCamps, and I see the WP Commerce guys, and they're like, yeah, we sell a plugin, and we're making millions of dollars and have this large business out of it. And I'm like, well, wait, why isn't that me? I have you know, a better product, but they have you know, all this business. So I started thinking about, instead of doing these consulting projects where we make technology and give it to someone and hope that they you know, build something great on their business, and then we go on to the next project, which is something completely different, um, and kind of start over from scratch for not really building on things. Um, so we started thinking, you know, like we make really good stuff. We have the skills and the knowledge at this point. Let's, you know, focus. And so at our at that time, we had a few clients who wanted membership sites. Um, and we had considered using our e-commerce plugin or one of the, I think, S2 members uh, is another free uh, membership plugin for WordPress was out at the time. But we didn't like either, either to build it on our, our e-commerce or to use S2 members. So we're like, hey, we'll build it from scratch. Uh, and so we started thinking, hey, let's build this into a plugin that we can sell as a premium plugin. And also, let's make our consulting business not just we'll do anything on WordPress, but we build membership websites on WordPress. Um, so the idea there is to focus on a niche uh, so that we become the membership, the WordPress membership experts. And we have we can charge a higher rate when people, we can show them like, hey, we did exactly what we're delivering to you. It's kind of puts people 
at ease and you can charge a higher price for the work that you're delivering because there's less, um, you know, questions involved with delivering. Uh, and then also for us, because we're iterating on the same thing over and over again, it's easier for us to automate systems and uh, bring on help and kind of make delivering the membership site a lot smoother so that, you know, we basically are charging a higher margin for the rate that we're doing, for the work that we're doing, because we're doing not the exact same thing, but primarily the same thing over and over again. Right. Yeah. Uh, but before we go too deep into that business, and I definitely want to talk about that, going, taking a few steps back, was your aha moment to use WordPress, was that when you realized that when you, because I hear this a lot from developers, is they just want to use, they don't want to use frameworks, they want to do it themselves. Um, taking a few steps back, what was that aha moment to say, I'm going to make a living using this WordPress, or at least I'm going to use WordPress to yeah. further myself? Yeah, um, so one of the early sites we launched outside of WordPress was winelive.net, which um, is custom built in PHP, and we kind of build our own framework for it. Um, and that's still a live site, winelog.net, and it's kind of neglected, and we're trying to figure out what to do with it. Um, but uh, as working with that, building it from the ground up, when there's security issues or user management issues, like I have to fix it, right? And it's something completely different. As our day-to-day became doing like CMS sites on WordPress um, and that kind of thing, like I'd have to switch from WordPress mode to winelog PHP framework mode. Um, Whereas, you know, with WordPress, if there's a security issue or, you know, some kind of, you know, UI enhancement or a new thing comes out, someone else already patched it in core or made the plugin. So it's kind of this idea that there's a whole community supporting my base system instead of I have to do everything myself, you know. Yeah. Um, and and security is a big one because actually, like, in 2006, you know, a lot of people, we just didn't know what needed to be done, you know, security-wise with, you know, filtering inputs and stuff like that. It was kind of, you know, fresh at, like, a... A lot, some people, I guess, did, but I mean, even you know, some of the techniques that the spammers and the hackers and all these things were kind of coming out of the woodwork. Um, so there's all these really big issues that are handled by the WordPress core team wonderfully that like I was mimicking on my own system, and I'm like, why don't I just use WordPress for the user engine and kind of the the ground level um, and build on top of that? So as some kind of custom projects started coming in, like e-commerce, um, and actually, I guess e-commerce was one of the big things too. We we worked with OS Commerce, which was another kind of PHP open source e-commerce plugin, and we um, we built a WordPress site to go alongside of it. So we tweaked OS Commerce and WordPress to look the same. So their site kind of you can tell WordPress was powering this page, and OS Commerce was powering this page, and we tied them together a little bit. So like even the OS Commerce was like pulling the header from the WordPress theme and stuff like that. It was really kind of really neat coding wise. Um, but OS Commerce code was really ugly in my opinion and I, mean, I guess I think if someone looked at it, it was old you know it was kind of didn't use modern you know PHP programming techniques um, and so it was really hard to work with so then when someone else was like hey build us an e-commerce site just like this other one that's when we started thinking you know instead of using OS Commerce let's just build the interface into WordPress you know they're already logging into WordPress to edit a page you know stay in there and edit their products um, so I guess that was happening around the same time we were struggling with, with WineLog, keeping it up to date. Um, you know, WineLog's still on custom framework, but if I build it again now, I would definitely you know, build it in WordPress. Okay. That, yeah, that was my next question, to see if WineLog was still uh, running, that frame, uh, running on your framework yeah. or, or WordPress. Yeah. Um, uh, what was your very first, for the freelancers out there that are listening to this, what was your first paid WordPress? Do you remember your f- first paid WordPress uh, client or job, aside yeah. from the WineLog stuff? Um, thinking think. that far back. Yeah. Um, let me think. That. First up, so Investor Geeks was the first website that we, the WordPress blog that we set up. Um, the first one we got paid for was probably going to be what eventually became one of the e-commerce sites. I'm trying to remember the names of the sites and if they're still around, <laughs> um, or if I should share with them. I think it was called SunshineHope.com. Yeah. Um, and they, they had like an e-commerce store and a blog and we use WordPress to power, uh, you know, like a CMS wise, their, their website. Nice. Um, yeah. Um, so, you know, thinking to, thinking of the client now, thinking of, of yeah. the, of the client facing side, what questions should somebody looking to purchase WordPress services or even a plugin, uh, like you sell now, what kind of questions yeah. should they be asking these WordPress professionals or to at least filter out and say, are you really a WordPress professional? Do you really know your stuff? And what kind of questions should a client ask somebody? Mm. That's a good point. 
Um, so you, you, a client, I mean, for the most part, the clients, you know, they just want a website and they, they don't necessarily care about the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so we often invite our clients to come in and like take a look at WordPress from a demo, you know, like a demo WordPress site. So they see what it feels like um, to use. And I, I guess your question is more like, you know, how can they filter out like mm-hmm. the ad WordPress developers from the good ones? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think it helps for them to find someone who's built a site just like the one that they want, you know, and, and there are, you know, there's tons of WordPress developers out there right now so that you, um, you don't, you shouldn't have to like take people's words for it. You know, you can, you know, say, Hey, show me the site that you built, you know, yep. or let me take a look at that one or do the demo in that other site, you know, maybe through a screen share or something like that. Yeah. Then walk you through another solution they did. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I asked that question. I'm trying to see if it's getting more popular. If people are specifically coming to us, us as, in the WordPress market or field because yeah. I think the general civilian, if you will, is, is starting yeah. to understand what WordPress is. At least they know that people are powering their websites with WordPress and, oh, by the way, yeah. can I get a WordPress site like you know, my friend in this you know, business network? So um, I'm starting to see the folks that usually don't care about technology, and I still find that nine times out of ten they don't care. Yeah. We're introducing them to WordPress all the time. As long yeah. as it works, they, you know, they don't care. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, we definitely have people who come to us, they're amazed, they can, you know, they're moving from something like Dreamweaver or, or like I used to just email my web developer and they would make the edits. So they're very enamored with being able to, you know, make the edits themselves. And that's kind of what they're, they're searching out for when people are searching out WordPress. Nice. Uh, going back into the freelance stuff, you know, give us a rundown of your, uh, do you have a daily routine? time blocking, uh, a, you know, reserve time slot for certain things in the day. What's your rundown to your daily routine to get the day going? Yeah. Um, so it, it's evolving over time. And we, so in our, we do like probably way too much at any one time. Like sometimes when we fill out the whiteboard and you're like, what do we really have? It's either big or small projects. And it's, there's like 30 to 35 things. Right. So it's like, it's a, it's a juggling act. Um, and so, I really do find I have to kind of segment myself and segment my time. And like one of the best things I do is like I turn off the Gmail. So like a lot of people work with Gmail constantly open or they have the notifications come up um, and it's just impossible to focus. Or when I got an Android phone for the first time, it used to, you know, vibrate same as if I got a text message every time I got an email. I'm like, this is not going to work. I get an email every three minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so definitely like, you know, I'll, uh, at the beginning of the day or the night before, I'll kind of have an idea of like, oh, this is like the one big three or four hour chunk of work, one project that I want to work on in the morning or the afternoon time slot. I usually have like a morning and afternoon time slot and then like before and in between, I do the, the kind of general email stuff. Uh, I usually spend about an hour um, doing either support or development updates for Paid Memberships Pro. So um, I'll check into the paid support forms at paidmembershipspro.com and the wordpress.org forms. Um, I have a couple Google alerts for WordPress membership and Paid Memberships Pro that I follow up on. So if someone had posted or posted a review on YouTube about Paid Memberships Pro, which is how I discovered your podcast here, yep, yep. Um, you know, it'll come up on my radar and I can check it out and add a comment. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, as you're now you're freelancing, I mm-hmm. guess take us into that, that sub-journey of freelancing, trying to get into... Um, the digital download and um, just paid services, uh, online services market, trying yeah. to transition out of that. How is that going for you? What, you know, what, what kind of roadblock or what's the hardest thing for you to make that transition? Yeah. Um, so, again, it was, it was motivated by that, you know, seeing other companies like WP Commerce, like, hey, we saw a product around what we did and say, hey, I, like, I want a product. Um, you know, I'm watching uh, things like Mixer G and other, reading other, you know, blogs and podcasts of people who are getting recurring revenue, um, making money while you sleep. Um, and, and kind of, I think now it, at the time I thought like, Hey, I want a product. I just want to sell in my sleep. And that's really kind of a dream that's being sold. Like a lot of, you know, they call it passive income, but it's not so passive. You still have to do something to, to earn that much for the most part. Um, but, but now I say, Hey, if you have a services company, you should probably have a little bit of product. Um, you know, and if you have a product company, you should probably add a little bit of um, services to it. 
So if you sell software, you know, sell the support services around it, or don't like we do, we don't just sell the plugin. We also have a package where we'll install it for you, um, which is is a popular plan because some people um, just want that to happen. So the journey starts kind of um, a couple years ago when we're building the plugin just for our, our clients. So we had like four clients who needed a membership site, um, and within like three to six months, we had built the plugin functional so that it would work just for them and I could install it. It didn't have fancy settings pages. Uh, it wasn't tested on every server configuration. It wasn't, you know, very compatible with a lot of plugins, but we managed which plugins were installed along with it. Um, and then we had thought, hey, it would be about three months to take it from that internal state to a public plugin, and three months was really like about another year. Um, so I remember it was like, I think it was probably WordCamp Philly in 2010, where I was like, yeah, you know, by the end of the year, we're going to have it released. And it was really like a year later at the next board camp. I was like, now nah, we finally released it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, that, I mean, that's one thing is that, like, if you're thinking in terms of a product, like, it's one thing to make it for your client, right? And then it's another to make it for the public. You really, there's a lot of, it needs to be hardened and tested. And, um, and there's lots of little things that you overlook. Um, and, and then actually with membership sites, it's, it's, actually, it's become kind of a design decision we have because a lot of, uh, so we compare it to like S2 member, right, has a really huge setting screen of like, hey, if you want to do drip-free content, here's the drip-free content section. And if you want to do, um, you know, this, here's like the settings you have to do for that. Um, and that's really good for some people who aren't technically savvy, like so they can find it, but it, it's kind of a headache. Um, but for someone like me, I'm like, oh, like I want to ignore 90% of that. And all I know, like I just want to have prorated payments, which is two lines of PHP code that I add to my functions at PHP. And now pay membership pro plus two lines of code is pay membership pro with prorated payments. And I don't have to worry about all this stuff I don't care about. Um, so it's related to that. That's like a design, you know, with membership sites, we, you know, we only get you 90% of the way there. And then you, you probably need a developer if you're trying to do something like highly custom. So it doesn't out of the box serve everyone. Yeah. You need a little bit of help. Do, do you actively uh, try to examine the audience of your plugin and say, that you know, most of these are developers. Most of these are folks that really need that extra that extra help to install it. And is that does that um, you know curve your decision on how you're going to take and the path you'll take with the plugin? Like Thirty Seven Signals says, no to everything, or at least they used to say no to everything, features and design. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you saying I want to develop this for the the ultra beginner, or I'm happy making a product for somebody who's more advanced? I think what we think is. Um we want the very base experience of, I have a WordPress site, I want to charge X dollars per month for access to some part of my site, like dead simple to set up and, and do. So we do that. Um, and then feature-wise, if they're like, oh, I want to also you know, have an email list, like you know, integrate with the uh, email newsletter websites like MailChimp, because they do it better than we could, um, it's, uh, that kind of thing. Or if, if we want to do something a little different, it, it starts out as a technical, uh, like a either a sister plugin or a couple lines of code that we give them custom um, to tweak the plugin to work in that way. And then if it's something that happens over and over again, where like a lot of people are requesting this feature, then we kind of consider either you know building it into the plugin, um, into the core plugin, or we kind of have like a lot of what we call sister plugins. Like for uh, we just released one PM Pro series, which is like drip feed content, which is another plugin you install alongside of it. So not everyone who gets Payment Just Pro cares about that, but if you do, you can install another plugin. Um, and it starts out like very developer friendly. It's on GitHub. Um, and again, if our our idea is as they get more popular, we're going to refine those, put those in the WordPress repository, and kind of make them more end user friendly. Um, so our our customers are kind of fifty fifty. Um, and users and developers, and the developers, you know, like the tools that we give them, and they, they can do the gluing themselves. And the end users either are doing something simple where they figure it out, or they hire us for one or two hours to do that gluing of yeah. things together. That's great. It's a great. Yeah. That's a great way to, to, to put it. Are any specific way that you're tracking these requests, and you and you know that you're getting five of the same requests? Is it something that you're just like, hey, I keep hearing this over and over again? How do you how do you track that? Yeah. So. Um, one thing we're doing more recently is I'm using Trello for management of you know some projects and also for like the Pay Memberships Pro development flow. Um, and Trello, Trello.com, T-R-E-L-L-O.com, uh, it's like a really basic kind of whiteboard emulator. I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of project management, but it's very light. It's meant 
they want people to be able to manage, you know, development projects and also be able to like organize recipes and also be able to, you know, um, organize the softball team and the development team, you know, so they, it's kind of like a really general product, which I think is good for me because I can use it any way I want. But basically what I do in Trello has columns. And so I have for payments for spread like an incoming column. So anytime you email me, Hey, I wish you could do this. You know, I add it to that column. Um, or if someone kind of emails me again, I can put like an extra exclamation point in the title uh, or move it, you know, drag it around. And if it's something like I, I think is good or I like it, you know, I'll move it to the like we're actually working for the next release column. Uh, and it flows from there from like the next release to current release, you know, to-do list kind of style. And, uh, and that's kind of a – the idea too is it's just one list of things and I kind of am constantly rearranging the priority of it. Um, and it's, you know, it gets really long. If it's off the screen, you know, it's, it's not important. You know, I mean, we could solve it for everyone. The other thing we do is a lot of these things, we have what we call the do it for me plan, which is $497 where if someone has a feature request that takes less than five hours to the code, like they can pay us to code it and we'll, we'll deliver it for them. Uh, and then if it is something that is useful for everyone, you know, we'll integrate into the plugin or release it alongside. Um, and that's where it, it is kind of dangerous, though, uh, because things like PayPal Standard, we didn't support PayPal Standard for a while, which is like the free PayPal level. Um, technically, excuse me, technically, PayPal Standard, there's like a disconnect. So if the other versions of PayPal, when, when they someone checks out, they go to PayPal or they check out on your site, PayPal immediately replies back like, yes, Jason has the funds to pay you. It's all good, so you can create the membership account right away. With PayPal Standard, there's a lag. Like they go to PayPal, and they may not come back to your website. They actually have to click a link to come back. Um, and then PayPal in the background gets around to sending you a message like this guy paid. Um, so because there's that disconnect, it's like technically a little hard harder to do. So we kind of avoided it, but it is the most popular form of PayPal. Right. Right. Um, so we implemented for the first time. Everyone constantly for a couple of years have been asking for it. In the fall, we finally implemented it. Um, and a lot of people are using it. We're definitely probably selling more, you know, support for the plugin and you know, do it for me plans because people are coming to it from PayPal Standard. But it's taken a lot of time. So, for instance, like Stripe, we upgraded from like the one Stripe uh, is a payment processor too, which is dead simple, like really made for and by developers. We upgraded from like one of their API versions to another one, and it took like ten minutes to test. There was no real change. It was backwards compatible. It was beautiful. I launched it in like one night. It was like less than an hour of work. Uh, and then PayPal, in the meantime, like I've spent tens and tens of hours, probably like 40 hours, yeah. at least since we launched it with bugs that have come up just for PayPal standard and, you know, in the way that they're doing things. So anytime you add a feature like that, you, you have to be aware, like, oh, I may end up supporting this. Yeah. Um, and what's good is, like, our model is, you know, for most things, people are paying for support. So, um, so you know, it, it's... It's okay, you know. We're, we're, for the most part, whenever we're doing support, like someone either bought support or plan um, to pay for it. You, and, you, yeah. were, you helped me transition to one of the other questions that I have here with your do it for me plan at four ninety seven. The question that I ask everyone is, how did you deal, or how do you deal with that five hundred dollar client? And by that five hundred dollar client, I mean the guy or gal who comes to you and says, "I got five hundred bucks to make a website. What can you do for me?" You know, and then demand, yeah. demand, demand. How do you deal with that now? And how do you deal with somebody who's really new to this who would think that 500 bucks would get them an entire site and not just the installation of a plugin? Yeah, we have to, we definitely have to curb expectations. Um, and I could talk like as a general, you know, at, from freelance, how we do it, but for Paymentures Pro, what we find is uh, at that $500 level, about half the clients are developers themselves who are like, hey, I'm building a website, but I'd rather just pay you $500 or rebuild that to the client to do the membership component because um, you'll do that really fast. It would take me forever and we'll be golden. And actually, that works out really well. And that's kind of like the ideal way for uh, the kind of ideal work for us because we like working with developers and they handle the client um, and we just do the one thing that we know how to do really well. Um, and about half of, half of the people signing up with that plan <clears throat> are kind of end users that are business owners themselves who aren't as technical. Um, and we install the membership component for them. But what happens is I'm pretty clear up front about like what they're getting, you know, so we make sure that like, you know, you're not getting the whole website, you're just getting this. And if you want the whole website, here's the quote for that, uh, which is a lot more than $500. So sometimes they, they run away. Um, but 
uh, and sometimes we get them. Like, so we, we sold Paymentress Pro, you know, those plans, but also we've done consulting work, which was part of the plan too, as we want to focus on the membership sites. But what we find is after we do the do it for me for the non-technical user, we're now the smartest WordPress person that they know. <laughs> so in a couple of weeks when they're like, oh, I wanted to add the Twitter feed to my website or, or I, you know, this plugin I installed and everything broke, you know, or I got infected with malware, they now send us an email and are asking us how to do that. Um, and what I, what I thought and what I, I still hope is that I can find other WordPress developers or who are at the stage where I was a few years ago, who are willing to take on like two to three, four hour jobs. Cause we, you know, we have so much work coming in that we can, a lot of times, you know, we could say, Hey, well, it'll be two hours, you know, 125 an hour, 150 an hour and we'll get it done. But it, it kind of isn't even worth like working out the business arrangement for us to do two hours of work. Um, so it's a little bit like we have a couple people we send send them to who like some help and, and um, we haven't found like the the best you know the perfect team members or partners. Um, that's why I go to all these WordCamps and things to yep. find people. It's what's really hard is I think right now with WordPress because there's so much demand. There's kind of a gap from people who are starting out and aren't kind of good enough to do to work with like plugins, you know, or or develop so much and then there's a gap from there up to like they're you know charging hundred plus dollars per hour WordPress experts um, and I think there's just so much demand that people you know a lot of those people charging high rates maybe they, they don't really deserve that high rate um, but what, what it means is there's no one in the middle who's like fifty dollars an hour to do that work they're either too novice because they don't know what they're doing or they kind of price themselves out of this kind of work that I can give them because yeah. there's demand in the yeah yeah you're right I mean and that's kind of and I, I'm gonna I, reorganize my questions here after this interview, but that's kind of where, where I was leading to with the original question about what a, an end user should ask somebody who's an alleged pro yeah, WordPress yeah. Uh, designer or developer. I've talked about this with every, it comes up in every interview I've done so far, and I did a talk about this at the local WordCamp here, is that the barrier to entry of WordPress is so low, anybody can grab it, install it, or God yeah. forbid, do a one-click in, one install on GoDaddy. And then right, call right. themselves a WordPress developer or designer because they can flip flop through themes or plugins. It's very bad for our industry. And one of my initial, my very first WordPress or my very first interview was uh, Jesse Friedman, um, who wrote a book about this stuff. And he, we talked about it. Look, you, if you're going to really call yourself a developer or designer, please take the time to <laughs> to, to learn this stuff the right way. Yeah. Start, start learning WordPress the right way how to update it, how to maintain it, best places to go to get this help. Look, we're all here. It's a community-driven yeah. project, right, or most of it. So ask the questions, get involved, and just start doing things the right way so that you save face for us when the people come to the real pros. Um, yeah, could, yeah. They don't get sticker shock, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't... I mean, that's a really tough one. I wish I had anything else to do. It's like... You, and I, I feel like, as what I said earlier, was like you, you kind of have to see the, the work to really like. So you want to you want to make sure that you you see the work. And and I think if you if you're not a technical person, like you you can't really look at code or anything or know how good it is or how recommended they come. Um, these kind of what's what's kind of good is like there's a lot of WordPress meetups. Yes. Um. And so if you're in a major city, that definitely is a WordPress meetup. Um. And we meet you know kind of potential clients and people. You know, through those, I would try to find a WordPress meetup around you and go. And whoever's running it, or like the core group of people, or the type of first developer who's also going to a WordPress meetup is probably a little bit better of a WordPress developer. Where you can ask around, like, you know, hey, is Jason actually a really good guy? Right. Because um, th that might be like the fastest way for uh, someone to kind of find the expertise near you. So you don't have to necessarily hire someone near you, but you could kind of get a buddy who would give you a second you know, opinion on something, you know, yeah. That's, um, that's, great. that's a great point. We're going to talk about kind of the WordPress community uh, in that, in this next section. Um, let's just move one last question on the business side. I'd love to talk about more, but I'm just trying to keep it uh, sure. under the time cap. If you could go back in time, one year, five years or 10 years, what are the ingredients or the process you would change to do it all over again in your business? Hindsight, looking at it now, yeah what would you re what would you what steps would you take right out of the gate yeah so 
I think about this back. So back in 2006, when we started, we, we had a plan. So we had this freelance work was like one arm and then wine log was another arm. Um, and you know, we'd spend like a third of our time on wine log trying to make that a business. And then we'd spend a third of our time kind of throwing ideas at the wall and like building really cool projects, um, and seeing if it would stick. So that was kind of like a mentality, a startup mentality back in that time, the web 2.0 era, like let's make a mashup and see if it gains traction and let it sit. Okay. So nowadays there's this idea, you know, coming out of, um, like the lean startup movement, um, around minimum viable products and kind of earlier in the system, trying, seeing if your product is, is, uh, is really business is going to make money. If there's demand for people who want to pay for what you have, um, it, you know, there was like Facebook was, was just starting and in and, and that early web 2.0 era, there was this idea of, you know, just build a website to get a lot of traffic and then figure out how to make money, which, which, is an okay idea for certain kinds of websites that are going to scale to hundreds of millions of billions of users. Um, but for the most part, like, the, you know, these smaller, you know, like WineLog, for instance, actually, we kind of had that mindset. Let's try to grow it a lot and we'll figure out how to make money later. Um, but if I would have started with WineLog earlier, like focusing on the business model and kind of having the courage to say, you know what, like, this isn't enough money. Like, sure, I can make, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month this way, but... That's not, it's not gonna, I'm not going to retire now. I'm not going to, you know, um, be able to do something and be able to move on. So, like, to say, hey, like, so I should have been with some of our side projects instead of, like, this is just new technology. And part of that's important, too. Like, you do want to, like, every once in a while have, like, a hack, hackathon weekend where you're like, hey, I just heard about this really cool technique. Let's try to build something neat. But just build it and have, hey, this is something neat. That was, it doesn't have to, like, launch its own website. You don't have to build a mailing list around it and all these other kind of, like, little startup things if it isn't really a business. But if it is, like, get to the money right as soon as possible um, and, and put it out there in that way and, and kind of focus on that so that you would really build a business around it. Because I, I think that I didn't have a lot of focus. And so we were doing really cool things for clients and we would hand it over to them and then start over from scratch and do something else. Whereas if I would have, you know, earlier said, you know, let's try to focus on e-commerce or Paymarks Pro or, um, or whatever, if it might have been something else at the time, um, it, and, and also when you have that focus, you have to pair that. You can't just have focus blindly. So if we had focus on line log, you know, I, I think we probably would have got to a point where we just, you know, wasted a lot of money and didn't really have a viable business, but we have to also have the courage to say like, this isn't a viable business. Let's stop and move on. You know, so you have to have those two things focus. And then you also have the courage to say, this isn't viable. Let's stop and move on. Cause you can get attached to projects. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're building it. It's your baby. It's, that's the biggest thing is you know you you have the the passion to see it succeed and you know that hey this yeah. is a great idea great idea and then you hit hit the public and they're like this sucks <laughs> I'm not going to use this or I'm using something else already um, yeah. it's tough to say it's tough to cut that cut that funding or if you will for a project that you're working on yeah let's talk about WordPress uh, as a software and as community you already started talking about it um, somebody who's starting out uh, to improve their WordPress skills. What's your best? What's your best bet? Get involved with the community. Go to word camps. Go to meetups. Things like that. Or is there somewhere on the web that you would direct folks? Hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, I would. I, I think the the meetups and the word camp things are, are really important. And I, as my my children are getting older, I have a four year old and a one year old. So now that my daughter is about one year, she just turned one. I'm I'm going to more word camps and kind of getting that house more. Um, and those things are like so valuable for us. Like, uh, no matter like how much we're paying the travel or stay in hotels, like definitely meeting face to face, we're getting kind of like good business relationships out of those. Um, so I think that's definitely important and for people starting out as well. You also want to um, get involved in projects. So I would love like you know the, the developers who are getting involved in Paid Memberships Pro um, and like our codes on GitHub. So there's a lot of plugins and stuff like that where. Are, are up on GitHub and they're taking, you know, pull requests and, um, and kind of, you know, pairing alongside a project like that can give you access to clients, can give you access to, you know, someone who has, you know, has been there before. You could ask me questions about how to do things, you know. Um, That's a common answer that, that I hear is getting involved with somebody else who's already doing a project like yourself, like a plug-in, like a theme. Um, and some folks have recommended freelancers who are just starting out to, to try to get work with another agency 
or a larger studio that, that can filter business to them to kind of get that experience? Yeah, there is this kind of ecosystem. It's like us. We, we're definitely getting too much work, and there's a kind of project that comes in that like it, we're either charging too much for it or it's something we don't really want to do anymore. And so we're, I, I wish there was more people to kind of throw smaller projects and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, and so just building stuff and yeah, having folks. What's your one, all the good stuff said about WordPress and community and stuff like that, what's your one gripe uh, with WordPress um, mm. and how do you think it can be improved? One thing that, that is, I think they've done better with it, but one thing that used to bug me is how often the UI was changing Some in the admin. So somewhere from between like 2.5 and 3.2 or something like that, <clears throat> uh, it would, like at, you know, three months later, like we had just installed WordPress, trained someone on how to use it, Three months later, is a new update. Hey, look how easy it is! One click update, and then you know now the menus fly out instead of you know are are always available on the left side, which um, is maybe like it's better UI for people coming in. And I know that the UI team has to struggle with this. Like they they want to design it in a way that's good with like best practices for now and for uh, you know the people who are just coming into WordPress from other applications, but the people who are have been using WordPress, it's really jarring for them. So I, I don't know if I really have an answer. And I think they've done better. Like the last couple updates haven't really changed things. You know, the buttons are more square than they used to be, but other than that, you know, they're not. But they're, they're, I feel like there was a few kind of arbitrary UI updates. And I think they've stopped doing that. There, were, there was kind of like, you didn't really have to make that. It's just confusing, you know. There's, there was the old, uh, you know, set featured image and it yeah. already set it and saved it. There was no need to even have a button or there wasn't even a save button. You had to close the box. So it was like, God, I just, please do away with that. But now they have yeah. the 3.5 media update, which is tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. I think probably I, I expect over the next couple of years, like on, on just like there's themes for the front end, there's going to be a lot of themes for like the WordPress back end. Um, like I'm starting to think about and play with that a little bit ourselves and, awesome. and kind of like if you're doing a minimal blogging experience, like, you know, you have a separate, you know, admin or maybe a way to, you know, build admins on the fly for customers or, or kind of, you can do that stuff now, but like if it's exposed in an easier way for people, because yeah. um, WordPress is being used on mobile and tablets and all this stuff and they, you know, they want WordPress to be used for applications and um, other verticals and things like that. And so the admin is still they're kind of tied to this like blogging paradigm a little bit and yeah. CMS paradigm that there's just going to have to be some kind of break and there's, you know, what the admin is is going to change over the next few years. Yeah, that's a great prediction. Well, let's go into the next segment. Someday I'm going to have music and intros and all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff going on. Uh, but this is the what's in your toolbox. Uh, what piece of software besides WordPress uh, or hardware do you use uh, to run your daily business? Like an Evernote, like a Gmail, like an iPad? What do mm. you have mm. that you couldn't live without? Yeah, so I already talked about Trello a little bit, yep. which I'm... Um, which I've stuck with for a while. So I've jumped from project management software to project management software. And I think what happens with those is you start fresh. So you're like, this feels good and do one project with it. And almost any of them work really well for one project. And then you move all of your projects into it and they're like, oh, this is bloated and I hate visiting it. Um, but since I've switched to Trello, like I almost did that, but then I, I pared it down to say like, you know, I don't need a board. Trello's like their own version of projects. For every project, I just have one. And so... What I did, like it really did, like I, I used to do this thing on the whiteboard where I was like, here are the things I'm going to do today and here are the things that I have to do this week and here are the other things I should be thinking about. And I just moved that into Trello <clears throat> and shared it with like the core team. And it's kind of like, you know, here's my, and that's the way it's laid out. The things I have to do today, the things I have to do this week and the things, you know, outside of that. Um, whereas a lot of times like, you know, if the things I have to do this week, that guy was emailing me today, I would really do it today, you know, because I was using my email as a to-do list. But now they have that board, I can really, like, have the focus to say, you know what, that isn't a today thing, that's a this week thing, I'll get to it. Um, and, and also, you kind of, with all the work coming in, there's, like, a visual recognition of, like, when there's more than 10 items in that today thing, or actually more than five or three, like, I'm not going to get the item seven and eight, you know, like, to just be like, whoa, I got to slow down and I can't, like, one thing I constantly do is, uh, Someone would email me like, yeah, I'll get that tomorrow. Because in my head, like, of course, I'll get to it tomorrow. Like, I, 
Like, I'll do the things I was planning to do today, and then tomorrow, what was I going to do? Like, I'll do that, but that's not really. Tomorrow, I'm actually going to do the other half of the things I didn't get done today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always, like, one day late when I yeah. went. So if you get an email from me that says, like, I'll get that done tomorrow, it's probably two days from now. Yeah. But the Trello has helped me kind of curb that a little bit, where, like, I see that I have too many things already on that today and that this week list. You know, so I can, that, like, I'll get it done tomorrow has become, like, I'll get that done this week. It goes onto the week list. And if the week list is too long, it's, like, I can be honest and say, hey, I'm not actually going to get it done this week. I'll get it done next week. <laughs> That's great. Um, perfect. So let's move to the listener question. We got one that came in today from at JJJ. Uh, thoughts on users having multiple roles? Uh, interested in making this more streamlined in WP Core? Hmm. Yeah, so like, so JJJ is the buddy press. Correct. Or, yeah, he's an audition. Yeah, yeah. And, um, one kind of example of that that's come up with BuddyPress is they want they have authors and subscribers, right? So some can post to the blog and some can. But in BuddyPress, some of the subscribers are moderators and some of the authors are moderators, right? So a moderator, I think BuddyPress adds a moderator role. I'm not sure, but you know, a moderator is kind of like not outside of author or subscriber. It's like an additional thing. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Um, like one way, like I kind of get around this issue a lot because um, with Paid Memberships Pro, uh, a lot of membership plugins like piggyback on the roles. So they say, hey, a new membership is really just a role and you define a role and you give someone a new role when they sign up for a membership. We thought about doing it that way, but we didn't want to be so integrated into the WordPress roles that we said, hey, really a role and a membership level are two different things, right? So a role defines like what you, how you can interact with WordPress and your membership level defines like how much you're paying per month and we have our own system for like which pages and posts you have access to. So a lot of times we use the membership level as that kind of like, so they have a role on a membership level and some things are attached to both. So something that we kind of custom code around that a lot. Um, I, yeah, I think it's a good idea. I guess it would have to make sense for core, like, like just vanilla WordPress without plugins or it's, well, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it can just be like an API feature that developers use. But I can see kind of like people getting confused by it, mm. uh, like just normal users. So yeah. you have to be careful with that. Yeah, definitely. Interesting question. We can yeah. <laughs> keep, that, keep that discussion going on Twitter when we, uh, when we launch this one. Let's hop into the lightning round where I'll ask you a series of questions in a quick succession, and you will have uh, hopefully answers in 10 seconds or less. Uh, the one plugin you cannot live without, obviously, besides your own. <laughs> All right. Um, we use Theme My Login a lot, which is another it piggybacks great before uh, PayMarshers Pro. It, it makes your login page on the front end instead of the back end and has some other features. Nice. Uh, favorite WordPress uh, or business book? Hmm. Let's see here. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about it, The Lean Startup by Eric Rise or Reese. Uh, that's, that's a great, you know, for people who are trying to, how to think about their business. That is, that is a great book. Uh, a quote you live or run your business by? Oh, man. I'll be bad with quotes because I have, I have a terrible memory. <laughs> um, so maybe I'll pass on this question. Okay, no problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the best business or career advice you've received? Hmm. Uh, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like, so I definitely read a lot of like great blogs and, and posts and stuff like that. But, but I guess one thing that's good is about thinking in terms of investing in yourself. So I forget who was telling me about it. I think that was back in the Accenture days. Was that um, you're saving money in your IRA, you know, like I, you know, thousands of dollars or whatever to save for my retirement. A lot of that money, if you invested in yourself, you know, you would it would do better for you over the long run. So you kind of, if you think about the money you spend, you know, books and learning and going to board camps and stuff like that as an investment, you know, it makes you feel better about nice. doing that. I think that's a great way to look at it. Um, the longest a client project has ever taken. <laughs> um, wow. So, I mean, we had one that's still changing. It was, it's been over two years and it's kind of the same product. I guess it's changed names a few times too, but it's kind of the same product, but it changes every few months. So we definitely have one that's over two years and we're still working with that guy. <laughs> nice. That is, uh, I think that might be the longest one so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, who should I interview next? Oh, who should I interview next? Um, I already got Pippin on the... Yeah, yeah, and I was one of the yeah. We had some things we can talk about together. Um, that's a good one. Uh, 
Have you had Brad Williams or anyone else from Modest Studios yet? Nope. Brian Messlinger? Yeah, actually, maybe interview Brian Messlinger about uh, you know WordPress as an application framework. I think he, I've been talking with him a lot about that, and I think he has a lot to say about that kind of aspect of WordPress. Sweet. Uh, if you had to switch to another CMS, what would it be and why? Wow. Um, man, I really wouldn't want to. I, I probably would do it custom again. You know? <laughs> I kind of... I, I was really anti-WordPress you know, as a CMS in the beginning, and I kind of backed into it and discovered it. So I, I, there's not like one on the shelf that I would jump to. If yeah, I, it's so funny. When I interview developers, it's always, I'm going to just build my own. When I'm talking yeah. about designers, it's like some like niche like indie CMS. And then when I'm talking to marketers, they're just like Drupal or Joomla. They just get like these quick <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. things that they already have in the back of their mind. That's awesome. Um, wrapping it up, what was the one question I didn't ask you that I should have? Um, you probably asked me questions around this, but I definitely, one thing I wanted to talk about was to developers who maybe like are thinking about getting into the plugin space or they have a plugin already in the repository and they're trying to figure out how to monetize it. One thing I've, I've learned a little bit from talking about Paymetrics Pro and business models at Pressnomics and some of the recent WordCamps is like our model is working pretty well. We're not retiring, right? So like our plugin sales for support is like 10% of our business, right? Um, but it's doing well and it's growing. It has a lot of opportunity. But it also, what we did was, uh, so we have a plugin. The full version is in the repository. We don't have a light version and a pro version. The full version is in the repository. It's all on code base. Um, so people can download it for free and they never pay us. And we just charge for support. So if you have a plugin already in the repository that you're supporting for free or you're ignoring that support thread because you don't have time, just set up a website where you, you know, use ours as a model where you say, hey, buy our plugin for here. You know, after they buy, give them a link to the zip file that's in the repository and the access to a BBPress support form and then give them support and figure out what the pricing is that makes sense for you. So for us, like $100 for the support plan, if one in five, you know, you know, everyone who signs up is like a partial hour of support that we really give them. It's really like, you know, 20% of them we spend four hours on and, you know, half of them we don't even ever talk to. They just find the support themselves. So it does, there's a lot of business models out there. And I, I thought I was leaving a lot of money on the table. Like there's models for plugins like ours, like Pippin's uses like the extension model where, um, you know, there's core plugin is free and you buy extensions or the light version of the plugin is free and you buy the pro version. And there's a lot of headache and overhead in kind of managing the different code bases um, that if you just, hey, like, it's all the same plugin and you just charge, you know, for access to support, uh, you avoid that. And, um, yeah, and I thought I was leaving a lot of money on not using the extensions model, but what I've learned kind of off the record with some of them is the conversion rate is about the same. So if 100 people download Paymetrics Pro in the repository, we get only like 1% of them will sign up for $97. So we make almost a dollar per download. Uh, and I heard from some other people, I don't want to get his names word, but it's about the same. So they use the extensions model and, you know, out of 100 people who sign up, about, you know, 1% of them buy an extension or a couple extensions. You know, and the average is two extensions. So it comes out to like almost the same amount of money. Um, like I thought their conversions would be a lot bigger because, you know, they the extensions are kind of more core to the experience. Um, like, whereas we give a lot of stuff away for free that's already it's in the plugin. Um, but it doesn't seem to be the case. And the, the other thing is around support. Um, what's we're trying, we're kind of learning, but what's hard is like, you can't help everybody. Like uh, people in the WordPress.org forums, I've gotten really good where they're like, how do I do this? And it would take me five minutes literally to write how to do it. It's like two lines of code. I have it. And it would take me five minutes to say, yes, that's possible. Sign up for support. Um, but I do the latter, right? I say, yes, that's possible. Sign for support. Um, and every once in a while, I still, like, you know, use your judgment. I give solutions in the .org forms. Um, but, you know, I say, hey, like, I, and I'm not getting as much backlash as I thought. I'm sure that some of the one-star ratings are paid membership pro or, like, someone had a bug that was very specific to them. And I said, hey, like, I'll have to, you'll have to sign up for support for this. And they're like, whatever, one-star. Um, yeah. So I'm sure it's backlashing a little bit. But a lot of people are like, oh, I understand, you know. Um, and so if it's a bug, we still help them in the .org forms because like, we want our software to be good for everyone. But if it's like, a, you know, um, <clears throat> they're trying to do something specific to their website, I kind of say, hey, you should go over to the paid support. Yeah. And what's funny is I find that like on, uh, in the holidays, I was a little bit ignoring the .org. There'd be a questionnaire, how do you do this? And then no reply for two days. And then they sign up for support 
on Paymarsys Pro and they say, how do they do, how do you, I do this? And I'm like, I pay attention to that one closer, obviously. And so I answer there. So it's like, I always find that like my, the amount of money that comes in for the support plans is like inversely related to how much free support we give out. So that's the other thing you have to manage. And I think a lot of people feel like they have to give free support, but like you kind of don't, it's okay if you charge for support. So no, absolutely. I think it can help some people who like have a plugin out already or want to release a plugin, but they don't want to, they're struggling with the business models that we have what I think is a really simple and user friendly business model of like all the code is free pay for support. It's a BB press form access to my cell phone and my email address. Um, and, you know, it might change in, in the future, but it definitely is a way that we're, we're generating revenue where people are using our product and the product's getting out there and we're kind of growing the business. So. Nice. That's, that's, a awesome, um, that's an awesome answer to an awesome question that I should have asked. Um, but uh, we learn as we go here, and I'm, I'll definitely, uh, at some point, maybe we can do that collaborate, uh, collaborative interview with Pippin um, and talk about business models and stuff like that. Because yeah. um, um, that, that's a really, uh, some great insight there, and that's, that's awesome. So, Wrapping up, I just want to tell everyone, uh, if you want to see more interviews like this, head on over to mattreport.com. I'd love for you to subscribe to the newsletter so that I can email you and tell you when these awesome interviews are out. It's mattreport.com slash subscribe. So, Jason, thank you for doing this interview. It was awesome. Where can folks find you? How can they say thank you uh, on the web? Yeah, so um, follow me on Twitter at Jason underscore Coleman uh, and also find out about... Um, me at strangerstudios.com or paidmembershipspro.com. If you need a membership site, definitely check out that plugin. Uh, Make sure you pay for support. And if you don't (laughs) know how to install it, definitely definitely let Jason do it for you. It's a heck of a lot easier. Uh, So far, your plugin is in the in the lead uh, on the uh, membership uh, series that we're doing over on the podcast uh, okay. episode. I know you like mem- Magic Members too, and it made me want to like take another look at it. I haven't looked at it in a while. Yeah, I mean, Magic <coughs> Members was pretty good. Uh, but oh, but I think it was the drip feed. You were like, oh, Magic Members has drip feed. Yeah. We just launched the PM Pro series stuff, which does a lot of that. So That's awesome. We're, yeah. uh, we're still going to figure out how we're going to do a, a finale of, of the winner, um, but we got two more to do, and then we'll have a wrap-up show. But... Anyway, Jason, thanks a lot. Everyone, thanks for watching. Go say thank you to Jason on Twitter for doing this. Go check out his site. Go check out his plugins and everything else he does. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Thanks, Matt. Bye.